Hi, this is Brenna. And this is Corey. And welcome to another Queen Spotlight Session podcast. This podcast features Quaff alumni who have built successful careers in finance and explores their experiences that have ultimately landed them where they are today. Queen's University Alternative Asset Fund, or Quaff, is currently Canada's only student-run alternative asset investment fund. Managed exclusively by Queen's students and overseen by faculty and industry professionals, the Quaff portfolio holds both public and private alternative investment strategies. Quaff is designed to provide students with hands-on experience focused on providing exposure to the investment industry, alternative strategies, and portfolio management. Through the engagement of alumni, current members, and industry professionals, Quaff has established itself as an invaluable educational opportunity for Queen's students. Today we are so excited to be here with Sean Choi. Sean Choi is a BCom graduate from Rotman Commerce at the St. George campus of the University of Toronto and earned his MBA from SSK GSB sponsored by Samsung Group with an exchange program to the Columbia Business School. Sean Choi also holds a Master of Finance from the Smith School of Business at Queen's University jointly offered by Remnant University of China and once spearheaded the Quaff Beijing team as the Director of Portfolio Management. Sean Choi currently works as the Vice President at Samsung Securities, which is the leading Korean financial investment company that provides a wide range of financial services from brokerage, wealth management, and investment advisory services to corporate finance and trading. Sean Choi was most recently with Invest in Denmark under the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Denmark as the investment manager based in Seoul, where he was responsible for identifying and assisting Korean companies with potential interests in Denmark. Prior to joining Invest in Denmark, Sean Choi worked in the M&A team under CFO Fortune Global 500 firm LGE Electronics. He has extensive M&A experience, both in the financial advisory and corporate perspective. Corey and I are so excited to be speaking with you this morning. Yeah, definitely. Sean, uh, you know, I'm thrilled to be here, uh, especially speaking with someone like you on my uh, first ever Spotlight series. Um, you know, thank you so much again, uh, what Brenna said, for taking the time. Uh, if, if it's all right with you, uh, I'd love to jump in uh, so our listeners can, can get to know a little bit more about you. So, Sean, you're, you're pretty established in the field already. Why did you decide to pursue the MFIN degree at Queen's? Well, I have uh, done my MBA at the early stage of my career and working in the finance industry for quite some time. I felt there was a need to supplement my finance knowledge by pursuing further studies in Master Finance. Um, in addition, together with a professional designation like CFA, um, it is taken as a prerequisite uh, if one were to enter, extend his or her career uh, in finance nowadays. Uh, I was based in Seoul for my work and geographically, it was more convenient to commute to Beijing over traveling all the way to Canada. Uh, moreover, since I was based in Seoul, I was interested in capital market structure in Asia, preferably in China, which was the second largest economy in the world. Uh, last but not least, uh, being a proud Canadian, I also wanted to extend my Canadian connections by adding prestigious uh, Smith uh, School of Business on my resume. Can you tell us a little bit more about your time in the Queen's Beijing MFIN program and uh, what your vision was for Quaff Beijing? Well, I was uh, fortunate enough uh, to be granted with a click uh, scholarship from the Chinese government. Uh, Canada Learning Initiative in China a scholarship offered 
accommodations, uh, medical insurance, and monthly stipends, uh, staying outside of one's comfort zone and uh, commuting to a different country that had different political, uh, social, economical, and administrative systems was a whole new challenge uh, for me. Uh, being selected as a scholarship recipient uh, helped me out settle in the new environment and it significantly reduced the time uh, required for me to adjust uh, with less difficulties. Um, and you mentioned about the vision uh, for Quaf Beijing. I served the Quaf uh, uh, organization as the director of a portfolio management Beijing team. I applied for this position because um, I thought it was a great way to be connected with investment professionals and uh, Smith alumni in both Canada and in China. Uh, my plan for Quaf was to deploy uh, the capital um, 5,000 Canadian dollars by the end of year 2019. Um, the Beijing team was uh, responsible for managing the global macro portfolio and it was the uh, process of uh, collecting data from Bloomberg Terminal. Uh, once our investment uh, factor model uh, became feasible, we uh, 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 would initiate our very first investment in uh, index-linked exchange-traded uh, funds, ETFs, holding several long and short positions. Um, however, as I mentioned uh, during the Get to Know uh, Each Other session, uh, due to the outbreak of uh, COVID-19, uh, there have not been much of uh, interactions uh, for my batch, um, unfortunate. Uh, now Beijing formed a new team under Bella's uh, strong leadership, and uh, I'm very confident that uh, she will do a much better job. That's a great response. And it's not that she's doing a better job per se, it's just <laughs> circumstantials. Um, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> from, from what I've heard about you, you uh, really revolutionized the Beijing uh, QAF program. So maybe it was just that you were forming that foundation and now she's building on it. One question that I do have as a follow-up though is how did you find out about the scholarship? It's so unique and such a very interesting area. And so I'd love to learn more about how you found out about the scholarship. I think I attended like an informative uh, session and uh, uh, there they kind of explain about the, uh, the CLIC, uh, Canada Learning Initiative uh, in China Scholarship. And that's how I got to know about the, the scholarship. So Sean, you know, you've you had a lot of exposure into uh, the Canadian program being on Quaff and, and you know, through your own research. Um, would you be able to quickly discuss with us how the uh, MFIN Beijing is different from the Canadian MFIN? And, uh, you know, we've heard a little tidbit about a, a, a rumor about a couple cohort things. So if you'd be <laughs> able to, to indulge us on that, that would be really great. Thank you, Corey. Um, um, we have uh, distinguished uh, professors uh, teaching the program, both uh, from Smith uh, School of Business at Queen's University, and uh, they call it Hanqing Advanced Institute of Economics at Renmin University of China. Uh, having two group of faculty members, uh, students are exposed to hands-on finest knowledge and perspectives of two countries, especially I like the uh, fixed income securities taught by Joseph Hu and uh, advanced financial modeling course taught by Meng, Ma, uh, Meng Miao. Uh, who was also serving as the academic uh, director of the program. Uh, being a Taiwanese-American, Joseph um, himself um, had the extensive uh, knowledge and experience in the bond market in uh, Wall Street during his career. And he was known as the uh, guy uh, to get advice from during the subprime mortgage fiasco in 2008. I was lucky to have him as uh, one of my teaching faculty members in his retirement year. Uh, so our batch was the last uh, batch of uh, students uh, who um, had the class with uh, Joseph Hu. And Professor Meng, on the other hand, um, talked about various topics in the Chinese uh, financial markets in general. As a foreigner and not knowing much about how Chinese financial markets have developed, 
It was a very interesting course and insightful lectures from Meng. And um, uh, I knew some people from a Canadian program like uh, Sean, uh, Sean D uh, from Coff and uh, Samuel Lee, who were the CEO and director of uh, events and analytics uh, respectively. I once met Samuel when he visited Korea in winter of uh, 2019 and uh, heard a little bit about the Canadian program back then. And uh, you also mentioned about the, uh, the established and eager uh, cohort. Uh, we call it executive and international sections. Um, um, but anyways, uh, MFIN Beijing program was uh, classified into uh, two different asset classes, uh, so to speak. Uh, first being the <laughs> executive and the other being international. Um, the executive session consisted of around 80 students, among which 96% uh, graduated from Chinese universities with average of uh, 13 years of work, work, work experience. Whereas the international section consisted of uh, 34 students, among which 91 graduates from Canadian universities with average of one to five years of work experience. I should have been uh, placed uh, in the executive section. However, due to the language barrier, I did not speak a word of Chinese. Uh, thus, I was uh, with the international section. However, we always learn from each other, uh, regardless of age. Uh, in that sense, I think uh, it was a rewarding experience to study with uh, someone younger than me and share their insightful and brilliant ideas. That's amazing. Do you, do you mind if I ask a question quickly just sure. about like the language barrier sure. to back up a little bit? So you speak Korean? Yes, Korean and English. So what was that experience like learning in in China in, I'm guessing, English or was it a different language? Uh, the lectures were, you know, uh, the official uh, language of instruction uh, for all the lectures were in, in English. But then, like I mentioned, um, uh, there were 91 uh, uh, students uh, graduated from Canadian universities. So you can assume that most of the students, uh, they spoke uh, um, uh, a decent English, uh, so to speak. Uh, but then um, uh, due to the nature of the class and the environment, uh, it, was, it was in China. Um, I think some students were a little bit reluctant uh, or comfortable um, to speak English um, uh, when they communicate uh, between peers and classmates. Overall, it was an amazing experience. So how did your time with Coif impact your time at Queens and your career journey? Well, uh, the Kwafa Beijing uh, experience did not uh, have an immediate uh, impact for my career journey uh, since uh, uh, I got recruited for Samsung right after I joined the program, basically. Uh, but I believe the leadership role I play uh, there would only enrich my experience at work uh, in terms of um, uh, developing my career stronger. In addition, if I were to uh, switch to work uh, in the buy side positions, uh, such as private equity, venture capital, or hedge funds, uh, et cetera, later uh, in my career, it would serve as a stepping stone, I would believe. That's great. Thank you for, uh, for sharing those insights. Really appreciate it. You know, you've gone to school uh, quite a few times now. You, you've had a lot of professional uh, work experience. You know, at this point in your career, what do you consider to be your greatest professional achievement thus far? I talked about uh, during the get to know each other session, uh, I could sort of explained that um, I focused on uh, small to medium enterprise uh, M&As, right? And that platform uh, got launched in year two, 2019. And um, we had a total of uh, 11 mandates in, in that year, um, among which two deals were successfully closed. Um, since I joined the team in November 2019, uh, the total increased more than uh, threefold to 38 mandates in year 2020, among which uh, three deals were successfully closed. Um, in terms of the uh, amount generated, 
um, 500 million Korean won uh, fees were recorded in 2019 uh, in comparison to um, uh, 5.66 billion in 2020. Uh, so that's like almost tenfold. Wow, that's uh, substantial. That's uh, really, really quite an achievement to have thus far. And thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, tenfold. That's amazing. What would you say your ultimate career goal is? Well, uh, my ultimate uh, career goal would be uh, to work for a uh, Canadian pension plan investment board or any other Canadian pension funds uh, in their Asian office. I believe uh, they have offices located uh, globally and have a presence in Hong Kong uh, in case of uh, CPPIB. Uh, through media, um, you have heard about their uh, intention of expanding into Beijing, but I think that was supposed to happen last year. But then due to COVID-19, uh, which no one ever expected, uh, I think that plan got a little delayed. Um, but anyways, in this way, I can extend uh, my Canadian uh, connection and also play a major role in the finance in Asia. Definitely. Uh, in our pre-chat, you have discussed quite a few um, you know, really crowning achievements and stuff that uh, you know, really stood out to uh, myself and Brenna. You mentioned to us that you're passionate about bridging the gap between two countries, Canada and Korea. You just talked about it now. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, uh, even though I was uh, born and raised in Korea, uh, my family got immigrated to Canada when I was uh, 14, grade 7. And uh, Canada has been uh, very uh, supportive and always uh, uh, been very nice uh, to myself and my family and helped us uh, greatly to uh, settle down in, uh, in, a, in a great country. So I'm really thankful since childhood uh, to Canada. So in my mind, uh, I think uh, I always thought about uh, ways that can benefit two countries, sort of uh, looking for ways to uh, contribute uh, and give it back to two countries since I've received a lot of uh, support. Uh, so in that sense, uh, I mentioned uh, that I'm very passionate about bridging the gap between the two countries and uh, whatever that could result into a win-win situation for two countries. I'm always optimistic and passionate about Wow, that's great. Uh, it, it's great to see that you've been able to touch upon it on both sides, um, going on your backgrounds, being able to keep that connection alive, touching on Canadian universities, being able to go back to Korea. It's great to see that that culmination in yourself uh, can continue to be there. You have a really amazing career background. Uh, you've worked in a lot of different jobs, touching upon various industries as you've gone along the way. Uh, would you mind telling us a little bit more about your career path? Uh, I'll try to keep it as simple as possible, but uh, it might be <laughs> a little long. <laughs> uh, I started uh, my career at the City Global Markets uh, Korea Equity uh, Capital Markets Division as a summer analyst in year 2007. This was when I opened my eyes in the field of uh, investment banking and uh, dreamed of working um, as M&A professional one day in the future. Um, this was when the market was in boom, uh, and uh, Doosan uh, is one of the largest Korean conglomerates uh, uh, that was engaged in acquiring Bobcat uh, in the United States um, at a price of uh, 5 billion US dollars. That's approximate, um, but uh, later, which I believe was announced as a deal of the year. Um, by the time I graduated from my MBA, the capital market just collapsed uh, with the subprime mortgage uh, fiasco. And uh, so did the job market. Um, and I started off uh, slow by uh, working at a local boutique investment banking firm. Um, uh, however, uh, looking back, uh, it was a time in which I learned the most of the technical skills uh, throughout my career. 
Um, though it was a boutique, um, I was happy that I was still exposed to uh, various M&A, uh, both domestic and cross-border uh, deals and uh, debt financing through uh, non-performing loans. Uh, if you, uh, you know, do the debt and equity swap, uh, that eventually uh, leads to M&A. Um, and then um, I successfully uh, closed the uh, cross-border M&A deal uh, for LG uh, Household and Healthcare in its um, acquisition of a Japanese uh, cosmetics company called Ginja Stefani, uh, which which amounted to around 150 uh, million US dollars. LG Electronics uh, might have liked the track record of this particular deal, and I was scouted uh, through a uh, headhunter uh, to LG Electronics, M&A team under uh, CFO. Um, and I thought um, it was a great move uh, to make uh, since uh, not many people have M&A experiences uh, from both the corporate side uh, acquiring entity and um, uh, uh, and also uh, from a financial advisor's uh, perspective. That's incredible. Um, it's amazing to, to be able to you know, start your career when you did, considering what was going on with the rest of the world, to continue to work through that time uh, and to be able to build experiences, truly a testament to the work you were doing. And that's it's really impressive. And it's uh, really great to hear about that in, in your career path. We're all trying to get headhunted. We're all trying to figure out our career paths. How were you able to really get attention from those headhunters and, and any tips or tricks that you could potentially share with us? It's uh, basically um, get to know as many headhunters uh, as much as possible and uh, expand your reach, so to speak, and build up on your uh, track record. I don't think uh, at the beginning of your career, uh, you don't need big names. It is more important that what you did for your company. So try to build a, uh, a track record uh, for yourself. And when that gets accumulated, I think uh, it will become something big and uh, be attractive for the headhunters. Now, along the way, were there any things that you particularly found challenging? And uh, on the opposite side of that, what epiphanies uh, did you gather along the way that helped shape your future? Well, I can maybe only talk about my challenges. <laughs> um, I think uh, having both of my secondary and uh, post-secondary education in Canada, um, uh, it was at first very difficult to adjust and get used to the local industry jargons and lingos widely used in the field. Accounting language, for instance, uh, was a foreign language even back in Canada when I was in school. But now I had to do all over again uh, in Korean. Uh, with much efforts and uh, time passed by, I found myself uh, somewhat adapted uh, to the terms now, but they are not still perfect. Still, I'm still finding that every day, you know, especially being in my uh, MMA, I get thrown terms at me left, right and center. And when we were in school, I used to have a little pocketbook for English to French. I, I need one of those for English to finance. Right. <laughs> so in that, uh, I know you did work with the Denmark and the Danish embassy. What was your experience like there? Well, it was uh, very much like an independent uh, position. And um, I had a certain amount of uh, annual budget to manage. It was basically a one-person uh, team um, as a representative of uh, Invest in Denmark in its uh, sole office. And there was definite number of targets to achieve uh, throughout the year, uh, challenging period. I was responsible for identifying and assisting Korean companies with a potential interest in Denmark. In other words, I was responsible for developing and uh, carrying out investment projects in close cooperation with the management of the Embassy of Denmark, in particular the ambassador. So you worked really closely, had a, a direct relationship with the ambassador. Right. Put it bluntly, I think that's, that's very cool to have that tie. And, you know, it, it really ties into what you spoke about before with bridging those cultures. 
it's great to see how you've contributed on that scale past that personal level and to really helping blend those borders and, and really merge those societies. With that, I know that you, you know, in that time had investments with biotech, uh, medtech, and e-tech. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you did with these industries? I think uh, basically Denmark being a small country with a population of only 5 million had many industry clusters uh, such as biotech, medtech, and robotics. I sometimes would take uh, Korean companies uh, on a fact-finding mission to different clusters and arrange uh, several corporate meetings with uh, different companies in various industries. So this job involved a frequent uh, business trips between Denmark and Korea. I think I at least uh, travel twice a year. That's great to really be able to see that. I know it's a very interesting industry now. It's seeing a ton of investment, so it's great to have that uh, insight into the space. So now you work at Samsung and you, which is global, international, mega company. At Samsung, you do work in M and A. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Samsung and, and the type of M and A work you do there? Um, leading uh, the um, M&A coverage work for uh, small to medium-sized enterprises, that's what we do. Uh, we have uh, 16 uh, corporate banking branches uh, located throughout the country, which pretty much covers the entire region. The first generation owners, um, uh, many of which are first, uh, second, and third vendors of large conglomerates like Samsung, Hyundai, uh, SK, and LG, uh, have reached their retirement age, and uh, they are now faced with uh, succession problems. Um, Korean economy is maybe going through a major industry structural transformation, I would say, from a traditional brick and mortar uh, businesses to services. So their sons and daughters, uh, many of which uh, may have uh, studied broad experiences, do not have a strong will to continue working in the typical manufacturing sector. Uh, rather, uh, they would like to work either in finance, strategic consulting, uh, startups, or in the service areas. Uh, in that regard, the first generation owners are considering various uh, exit plans, um, and one of them being uh, selling their companies, of course. Uh, we are trying to spot these opportunities and try to play the matchmaking role. So kind of touching on, on what you do now, how do you see Samsung, what, what they do now with that traditional brick and mortar? What kind of areas do you see being the focal point of the future? And how do you see Samsung expanding it from a small to mid-size to a large size, or do you see that continued strategy going um, forward? Answering your, um, the, the latter questions first, uh, Samsung Securities also has their own investment banking divisions uh, where they do M&A coverage and execution for large uh, conglomerates. However, as you are well aware, investment banks have a business model in which uh, they try to generate the most profits with uh, very limited resources. Thus, they do not cover deals that might be considered too small in their sense. However, middle market is actually the gold mine of M&A in which most of the transactions occur. And this is where uh, our corporate consulting team uh, was established to accomplish this mission. Uh, now it is just the beginning, but uh, once our middle market business model starts to uh, prove itself of uh, generating enough profits, we might set up a new team under the title Midcap M&A Coverage. And uh, going back to the first question that you raised, I think um, the future of Samsung, I think uh, the disruptive uh, innovations uh, in the fintech space and the uh, emergence of uh, sustainable finance uh, would definitely impact uh, business investment decisions for Samsung down the road. Uh, Samsung started uh, to pay more attention to uh, ESG, uh, environment, social and governance and impact investing since uh, it is becoming the norm uh, in the marketplace.
That's really great to hear. You know, we're seeing that trend on our side too with a lot of stuff that we were researching about. You know, we see ESG, uh, and I'm sure you do too, beyond just something that's an area that's you know, interesting or good to invest in. But but additionally, we're seeing it as a profitable venture in a way to, to really make strong returns. Sean, that was amazing information. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm really problem. excited to dig into the uh, life and mergers and acquisitions a bit more. So why don't you just start by telling us what drew you to mergers and acquisitions? Well, as I have explained earlier, uh, through the internship at City Global Markets uh, kind of uh, drew me uh, to the mergers and acquisitions. I think M&A is something that um, I could utilize the most uh, from what I've learned of, uh, in commerce and MBA program. So kind of just like that crossroads between your backgrounds and areas of interest. Right. Was this something that you were always interested in doing or did you envision a different goal for your career in the beginning? Before internship, maybe no. But after the internship, I thought um, I really wanted to do M&A. So that's how, we, how all it began. So what are some trends that you're noticing in the M&A space? And like, are you seeing any changes in that space that may play out long term? Firms are, of course, um, interested in uh, investing in uh, their um, companies' uh, future uh, business, right? Uh, the new growth engine. Um, from Korean M&A market perspective, uh, the hot sectors include a secondary cell, semiconductor, of course, and the biotech. Uh, thus, M&As in these areas would be hot. Uh, moreover, Korean economies may be going through a major industrial industry structural transformation, and uh, from traditional brick and mortar and business to services. Um, the owners and sons, daughters do not have a strong will to continue work in the typical manufacturing sector, as I mentioned before, and many are considering various exit plans. Hence, more M&As would occur uh, down the road, in my opinion. Uh, last but not least, uh, the private equity market is also getting bigger in Korea. The P-backed firms would eventually need to exit their investments, and in that regard, they would need to go through M&A process as well. Corey, I heard you're working for P firm right now, no? I am, yeah. I just started a uh, internship with the private equity secondaries group. Um, wow. How do you like it so far? Really happy to, to be here. Uh, really enjoying it so far. My, my firm with the structure has uh, a lot of really promising deals on the horizon to you know, really a wide variety of things that I haven't been exposed to in the past. So even uh, I'm, I'm really on my, what is it, 10th day now in, uh, continuing to learn a lot every day. And I actually got the opportunity to um, you know, meet with people in person and, and go to the office for a little bit and actually see the team. It was good. We were able to really follow that COVID protocol because finance is an essential service here. So with that, really, it was all uh, a strong group. I've really been enjoying that space so far. And I honestly, before doing my research, didn't know too much about secondaries. And it's crazy to see how intricate and how deep the financial services market can be. Not many people like you, uh, not many people have that opportunity uh, like you to work in the private equity sector. So you should be thankful. <laughs> I jumped at the experience. <laughs> right. You're the lucky one. <laughs> I truly feel like I am. Out of curiosity, in the M&A space, would you recommend that if someone's wanting to get into that space, do they need to be specialized? So for example, if they're specialized in biotech and healthcare, if they're specialized in semiconductors, is that important or no? I think you have, you learn the, the industry as you do the deals, but I think overall uh, you need to understand the basic accounting and uh, familiarize yourself with numbers and try to understand the logic behind the problems rather than focusing on getting the right answer. 
Uh, and I would also like to recommend to read uh, newspapers, especially the business section on a daily basis. And that's where you get the most uh, information out of. Um, and if you could get yourself uh, well-versed in Microsoft Word, Excel, and a PowerPoint, uh, that would be fantastic as well. Because when you do the valuations, uh, Excel is everything, right? So you should know basically all the shortcuts uh, uh, without using a mouse. <laughs> yes, that it, is truly the form of mastery is using Excel <laughs> without a mouse. <laughs> it's funny you should mention that our associate said to us on the first day that if we were there in person, he would have cut the cords to our mouse already. <laughs> yes. I like my mouse. I'm happy to see it not go. <laughs> you'll, you'll get used to it, Corey. It's actually way faster without it. Hey, I wasn't commenting on my skills at all. <laughs> <laughs> if you were being in your career again right now, what advice would you give yourself? So essentially your present self with the wisdom and knowledge and experience that you have, mm -hmm. what would you tell your past self? I'll say, uh, I'll keep it short. Uh, I'll maybe say, uh, keep on pushing. And push here means uh, push until something happens, right? So persistence matters. I like that. I just wrote that down. Persistence matters. So how would you compare and contrast equity raising with mergers and acquisitions? I think um, equity raising is a part of M&A and uh, M&A is part of investment. Uh, if a company wants to acquire another company, uh, it would have to seek uh, for either that um, line of credit, revolving credit, or issuance of bonds, or equity financing, uh, season equity offering, for instance. So I think um, uh, that is why people call M&A uh, an art. Ah, that makes sense. And so as, a, as an artist, how do you spot potential acquisition targets? What's your secret? Well, we have, uh, as I said, uh, 16 uh, corporate banking branches located throughout the country, uh, which pretty much covers the entire region. Uh, so they source uh, the deals and um, uh, we also provide them with the, uh, the, the target list um, based on like uh, maybe the sales growth or the profit margin or the uh, age of the owners. Uh, we can get uh, those kind of information from, um, well, international speaking, uh, maybe from the Bloomberg, uh, but we also have the uh, Korean version of uh, Bloomberg uh, called the uh, KISS line. Um, so we get information from those database uh, systems or the terminals. Interesting. Let's just finish with some final thoughts and what your plans are down the road. Maybe I can talk about uh, my investment holding company here. <laughs> Um, you know, I think uh, we are phasing into uh, fourth uh, industry revolution, and I think um, it is not a completely new concept, but rather um, is extension of the society we live in. So I think the big data, um, artificial intelligence, everybody's talking about it, um, is basically like a big data is like a collection of uh, data, right? Uh, through those like the Bloomberg terminals, I try to glean as much information as possible, whether it is financial or uh, some qualitative information. I make my own database. And from that database, I try to interpret and do some kind of analysis and uh, conduct evaluation on uh, different um, companies in various industries, right? And that's where the value creation uh, comes in. Um, and uh, I'm trying to do this for uh, different asset classes, uh, whether it is like stocks, equity, uh, bonds, um, uh, and also I'm interested in real estate assets as well. Uh, so those are the areas that I look into, and uh, hopefully um, uh, the next Warren Buffett uh, would rise from the east.
you never know. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing more about what you do in the future. We're going to finish off with our seven rapid fire, just for fun questions. So this is where you're going to try to answer in seven words or less. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. What would you say you are the most proud of? I'm proud of who I am. Love it. Love it. If you could only have one type of food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Korean. <laughs> well said. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Coffee, tea. Oh, sorry. What's the name of that? Of the Bloomberg that you use? It's not Bloomberg. It's... When. When. <laughs> when. Or, or the kiss line uh, in Korea. Kiss line. K-I-S-L-I-N-E. Coffee, tea, kiss line, or other? Uh, worry that I would not receive my paycheck if I don't go to work. <laughs> 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 was that too long or <laughs> that was perfect, perfect. <laughs> we'll make an exception this one time <laughs> i feel you on that one that's a good answer what would you say is more important iq or eq i believe eq uh you must born with it what do you do to unwind inhale and exhale mm. <laughs> profound meditate <laughs> what's the last book that you read it's been a long time. I mentioned newspapers, right? <laughs> and lastly, what are your words to live by? Dream big and uh, aim high. Well and said. keep on pushing yourself. <laughs> Beautifully put. Thank you so much, Sean. This was so much fun. Really looking forward to keeping in touch with you in the future. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, thanks for the invitation and thanks for having me. It was uh, uh, very grateful. Of course, anytime. You're welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. We hope you've enjoyed this session of the Quaff Spotlight series. Until next time, be well and invest with intent. And then what's the last thing we need to record? Hi, I'm Brenna. And I'm Corey. And do, do you want to do my voice as well? But if you leave your name, number, and message, <laughs> we'll be happy to get back to you as soon as the beep. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. I'm going to give Finally, you my- have that recorded. I know. <laughs> Hi, this is Brenna. And this is Corey. <laughs> We're going to do that again. Okay, ready? <laughs> Why? Because there was like, like, pause, pause, pause. And this is Corey. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll be sad here. <laughs> okay. Hi, this is Brenna. And I'm Corey. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, can that, can that please be what we <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Brenna. And this is Corey. And welcome to another Queen Spotlight Session podcast.